morning, everybody. Good to see everyone here this morning. Good morning, everyone out in the patio and everybody watching from home. Uh, I think my, uh, my parents are watching. Hi, Mom and Dad. You know, <laughs> what's pretty cool these days, right? So, um, well, I thought I would start um, by sharing with you an experience I had just a couple uh, weeks ago and see if you can relate to any of this. I was um, uh, sort of my, my other uh, role in ministry is I work with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship doing campus ministry. And um, on that particular day, I was responsible for leading an afternoon, um, uh, not really meetings, but uh, kind of supervising some staff and leading them through some experiences and conversations. Um, and uh, we had decided that we, it would be great to do it at um, Huntington Gardens, right? Be out in a beautiful place and be outside because we were going to have some conversation and we'd have some time on our own to kind of pray and reflect and then come back together. And, um, and so um, I was in charge. I had planned it. I I checked to make sure Huntington Gardens was open on that particular uh, day. I sent out the directions, or you know, and, and we planned to meet up um, at 10 a.m. that morning, and I uh, or 11 a.m. and I show up at 10:45. I was early. I was doing well, and I show up, and as I get to the gate to Huntington Gardens, there's a big sign, and it says "Sold out." Unless you have reservations, you will not be allowed in. And I thought I did not get reservations. Turns out this was the one Thursday a month where it's free. And so everybody, you know, had gotten a slot, and by the time I showed up, there was no spots left. Now, I had two, these two staff that were coming. They were coming from all the way in the west side of L.A. They were, you know, had driven far to meet up. I was, and I just sort of got into a panic. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? What do I do, right? And so um, I call up one of the staff, and I, I'm explaining the situation. I'm, internally, I'm just feeling like really embarrassed and, and uh, kind of ashamed of like, man, how did I blow this, you know? And uh, we come up with a, a plan B, and we're like, Descanso Gardens, that's not that far away. It's up in La Cañada. So we reroute. Okay, let's meet up there. And, um, and so uh, uh, I call the other staff, and, and she's like, great. And so we start, you know, heading that direction. Um, we're rendezvous um, up there. And um, five minutes into my drive up to Descanso Gardens, I realized, um, oh, wait, I had looked at Descanso Gardens before, and you have to have a ticket ahead of time. You have to get online and buy the ticket ahead of time. I'm like, obviously, I haven't done that. Ah, oh, no, right? So now, full confession, I'm driving, and I'm on my phone searching, you know, Descanso Gardens and how to, you know, get tickets, and is there still tickets that day? And, I'm, you know, and I'm getting on the 210 freeway. I mean, it's not safe. And I'm panicking, and I'm rushing, right? And I'm trying to see if I can get it in. And, and finally, I'm able to get some tickets, but we're supposed to show up at uh, 11 to get in, but we were planning to have lunch ahead of time, and you can't eat inside Descanso Garden, so we got to meet outside at another place. And, oh, what, are they going to let us in if we're at late? And I, all these things kind of rushing through me, right, as I'm rushing to go uh, meet up with... Um, full-time Christian ministers, right, followers of Jesus that spend an afternoon together where we're supposed to be connecting to God and going deeper with him. That was me, right? And to think about the last week or two, have you felt anything like that at some point where you're feeling behind and in a hurry? Where you're feeling anxious about um, the outcomes that you're sort of trying to control, but you feel kind of limited in your ability to control them? Where you feel burdened by responsibility and you feel that feeling of it's all up to me and I'm kind of blowing it here, right? And in that, you're, you know, fears creep in, insecurities about what other people might think about you if, um, if it sort of falls apart, right? 
Now, if we have enough of those days, if we string enough of those back to back or we have multiple ones throughout the week or maybe throughout the month, it starts to build up and it leads to us feeling kind of stretched thin, tired, get irritable, impatient, frustrated, right? Life just feels busy and full and stressful and we're running from one thing to the next. And then we begin to fantasize about where could we go on our next vacation, right? Or maybe about retiring early. I just want this to stop, right? Right? And then, you know, you get to the end of the day and you get home, right, uh, in, in the evening and, um, or, or, or maybe you just sort of, you collapse into the weekend. Uh, and if we haven't already packed our evenings or our weekends full of stuff, which we do sometimes, right, um, we then just sort of collapse and we zone out with the device of our choice, right? We just, oh, unplug, finally some me time, right? And we get so easily caught in this cycle where we fluctuate between kind of soul-crushing busyness and pressure and stress, um, and then that, and then we pivot towards sort of mind-numbing distraction, right? I just want to be off the clock and, and kind of wind down. Well, this morning, um, we want to talk about that and explore that together and consider um, what is the way of Jesus that he's inviting us to in this life that we live. Listen to Jesus' words. Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke. And learn from me. I'm gentle and humble. And you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear. And my burden is light. Right? For, for so many of us, busyness and distraction is the status quo. And so much of a status quo that we rarely even are aware of it or think about it. We just sort of live it. And yet Jesus' words here invite us into something different. I'll be honest, when I read these words, I have two reactions. The first is there's like a yearning in my soul that says, yes, that sounds wonderful. I want that rest, Jesus. I want a light burden. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. And then there's another part of me that is like, Jesus, you sound like you live on another planet. How is that possible or even realistic for us with life in this world? So we'll explore that this morning. So if you've been around um, these past, oh, six or eight weeks or so, you know we've been in this series, Breaking the Status Quo. And we've talked about money and materialism and um, racial tension and justice. And we've talked about sex and sexuality and um, Don and Kyle and I, um, we, we meet every week to kind of talk about what's coming up this Sunday and the sermon series and all that kind of stuff. And Don and Kyle have done the bulk of, um, they've been preaching throughout the series. And they were joking with me um, as we were talking about uh, this week and next week, um, I'll be preaching. And they were like, dude, you get the easy one to teach on, right? Busyness and, and distraction. That, that, you know, 
that's easy. And I understand where they were coming from, right? You know, some of those other topics are complicated and difficult to talk about. But part of why I think it feels like this is the easy one to talk about is because it's become such an acceptable dynamic in our culture. We don't even think twice about it. Like, right, what's the standard line when you ask someone, how are you? Oh, I'm good, but really busy, right? That's just sort of our go-to response, right? We would never say... Uh, in light of our other uh, topics in the status quo, we never say, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good, but my, my sex life is a hot mess, right? We, we wouldn't talk like that, or, you know, uh, I've just been out of control on my spending lately, but I'm doing good, right? You know, we, we have some sense of like, oh, yeah, those, those are things we need to kind of deal with and work on and, and move towards health, but when it comes to busyness, we just sort of give, give one another a free pass, like, oh, yeah, Yep, that's just life. We're all super, super busy. We know it's a problem. But it's so accepted and assumed that that's just the reality that we're all in that we kind of feel like it's not really a problem, right? But that's the problem, (laughs) is that it is a problem. And just because everyone is doing it and we're all sort of caught up in it and it feels like that's just the way things are, it doesn't mean that God doesn't have something more for us. See, busyness, we can even use it as a badge of honor, right? Because when you're running around and doing a lot of things, it can make you feel kind of important. It's sort of, we can have that view of folks, especially in the work world, like, man, if you're doing a lot and you're super busy, that means you must be really important. We are a culture that tends to define our value by what we do. And if I'm doing a lot, then something must be going right. The busier you are, the more important you must be. And we, we feel it in our family lives, too. Um, we've raised all three of our kids here in Claremont, and, um, and I don't think Claremont is unique in this way, but um, from a young age, as you started interacting with other families and other children, there was this sense of, like, you got to have your kids doing, like, 27 different things, right? They should be doing music lessons and, and youth sports, right? And you know, um, uh, this club and that activity and, you know, karate and judo and theater and all those kind of things, right? It was never just one thing. It was like every kid had, was involved with multiple things. I, I remember feeling that stress as a parent. Like, I don't really want to have our kids live that way or have so many things, but I feel like we're being left behind a little bit here. And so we pack out our schedules and our workload and our activities um, because we want to feel good, and we want to feel important, we want to feel like we matter, and we want to feel like we're giving our kids the best, until we hit our limit. And we hit those days, or there's pocket in our days, or we hit the weekend, and um, we just sort of hit that wall, and then we pivot hard towards distraction, towards escapism, towards the thing that where we can just zone out and veg out. What's your distraction device of choice? Let's just get real for a minute. Can we do that? I'm going to just pause, and, I'm, and, and, and if you can, spouses, you all know it about each other, so turn to someone else, right, you know, and just share for a minute. Like, what is your distraction device of choice, right? Is it, is it Netflix on your iPad? Is it, you know, Facebook on your laptop, right? Is it uh, Instagram on your phone? Like, what? what where do you go when you just need to zone out? What's, where do your, where's your heart drawn to? Where do, what's your go-to, right? Okay, so let's just take a minute and just 
turn to someone around you and, and share, right? We know we all do it, so there's no shame here. We're in Jesus. Let's just, you know, let's just acknowledge where we, where we do that. All right, let me call us back together. This was not a hard question for people to answer, apparently. (laughs) We jumped right in, right? It should be no surprise to us. We live in a day and an age where the opportunity for distraction is is prevalent. It It is ubiquitous. It is in our faces all the time. Studies have shown that on average, we touch our phones over 2,600 times per day, okay. right? right? Every little character in your text, right? 2,600 times per day we touch our phones. Spread out over, on average, 76 different sessions that were on our phones, consuming, on average, two and a half hours. And um, sorry to say, you know, if you're Kyle's generation, if you're a millennial, okay, um, it could be up to double that. Same with my kids' generation, Gen Z. It can be up to double that, right? They've grown up on this stuff. The amount of entertainment content we have at our fingertips is incredible. I'm old enough that I remember when there were like three channels on TV, right? You guys remember this, right? And then it grew to like five or seven, right? I remember when the first gaming system came into being, right? We got that in our house. I mean, we were playing Pong on our little, you know, on our little TV set, Okay? Look at where we are now. We have so much entertainment right at our fingertips through games, movies, TV shows, podcasts, audiobooks, online videos. It is incredible. It's otherworldly how much opportunity we have. If I want, I can literally stand in line at the grocery checkout line and not be bored and watch my favorite TV show until it's my turn. Right? Now, there's a way in which we go, man, that's awesome. Like, I love, I'm, I'd never have to be bored, but at what cost does it come to us? We have an unlimited ability to always have a way to distract and entertain ourselves. But at what cost? Right? When we're being entertained, when we're being distracted, it prevents us from being present to our surroundings to others, to ourselves, and to God. And it's kind of difficult to assess what kind of damage and effect that does, um, that kind of living does to our souls. John Ortberg uh, says it this way. He says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, 
It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. But let's consider Jesus' promise in John 10.10 when he said, I came so that they could have life. Indeed, so that they could live life to the fullest. Right? And as believers, we, we, we love that verse. We say, yes, Jesus, I want to live the life that you have for me. But all too often, I have gotten to, the, to Monday morning and someone has asked me, how was your weekend? And I cannot remember because I just was in a fog all weekend long, just vegging out and trying to find some rest for my weary soul. Is that life to its fullest? No. This is what Jesus offers us. He offers us a different kind of life. And it's what he modeled for us. Jesus' Jesus's life was full, but it was not hurried and it was not distracted. Remember Jesus um, heading to uh, uh, heal Jairus' daughter, this important official who's on the verge of death, and the woman who was bleeding, right, desperate for healing, touches Jesus' garment, and he feels the power go out of him. What does he do? He stops. There's a huge crowd all pressing, rushing. We've got to get to Jairus' house. He stops. Who touched me? And the woman comes forward, and he listens to her story in its fullness. He's interrupted, and he pauses, and he listens to her and cares for her, and she's healed, and he says, calls her my daughter. Your faith has made you well. Remember, Jesus, on his way to um, Jerusalem through Jericho, huge crowds waiting to see what's going to happen when Jesus gets to Jerusalem, and then Bartimaeus is on the side of the road, blind Bartimaeus, and he cries out, son of God, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around Barnabas, stop, you know, you're embarrassing yourself. Like, he's too important. He's got things to do. And Jesus hears him and stops. And he's interruptible. And he says, bring him to me. And Bartimaeus comes, and they have this beautiful interaction, and Jesus heals him. And Bartimaeus' life is changed forever. There's another story where uh, folks are trying to bring children to Jesus for him to bless them. And the disciples are like, no, get these kids away. He's too important. Don't bother him. Right? Jesus says, no, let the children come to me. He's present to those around him. He was interruptible. And Jesus' heart was perpetually tuned into the heart of the Father. Early in Jesus' ministry, when he heals a bunch of folks in Capernaum, he gets up early the next morning and goes out to a lonely place to pray, to be with his Father. And the disciples come looking for him like, hey, there's all kinds of people that are waiting for you. It's urgent. Come on. And Jesus says, no, it's time for us to move on because that's where the Father is leading me to go, the next town, and to preach there also. We are a culture that loves things that are fast. We love speed. We love instant gratification. But as followers of Jesus, we understand that we are called to a higher calling that our most central calling as believers is to love, to love God and to love one another. And brothers and sisters, I hate to tell you this, but the speed of love is slow. It's slow. It's setting down what you're doing and stopping and being present to the needs around you. It's 
slowing down enough to align your heart with what God is speaking to you and leading you. Jesus made time for the bleeding woman and for Bartimaeus and for the children, and that's his heart for you and me as well. Jesus is ready to make time for us. His heart is to show us how to live the way that he wants us to live, to come. He knows how hard it is. Think about what life was like in the first century compared to now. Everybody walked everywhere, right? I mean, life just is kind of slow when you can only travel at like three miles an hour, right? Now look at us, right? Jesus understands that. He is patient and gracious and compassionate. He is ready and willing to draw close to us. He knows how hard it is for us, and he wants to show us a different way. Let's look at the verses from Matthew 11 again. Come to me, all of you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads. You're struggling hard to slow down. You're struggling hard to break out of this pattern of busyness. You're struggling hard to not just pick up your phone the first thing or every gap that you have in the day. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble. I love that Jesus tells us what kind of teacher he is, how he's going to coach us and lead us, that he's gentle. Jesus isn't going to sit back and go, put the phone down, right? Okay? What's it going to take, you know? No, he's like, hey, put the phone down. I have something better for you. And when we do that, we will find rest for our souls. And my because his yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. Jesus' solution to our soul-crushing busyness is not to stop, tell us to stop working and cease all activity. The image that he uses, it's a work image. He says, take on my yoke, be yoked to me. I think a picture of, of what a yoke is, right? It's it's two oxen or cattle that are um, linked together through that wooden yoke so they can work together, so they can work effectively. Yes, Jesus, you know, in Psalm 23 says, you know, let's go to the quiet waters and, and the green pastures, and Jesus invites us into rest. But Jesus is also saying, if you yoke yourself with him, even in the midst of work, even in the midst of the activity of the life in this world, we can experience rest. If we learn from him. If we learn from him. See, the full life that Jesus offers us isn't just believing in him and having our sins forgiven and the promise of heaven. Those are wonderful things and those are true things. But more than that, even more, Jesus is inviting us to become like him to apprentice ourselves to him, to learn how to live the way that he lived. That's what it means to be yoked with Jesus. And he promises that if we do that, we will experience rest. Not mind-numbing, zoning-out escapism, but rest that is restorative. Restorative, that's the kind of rest that Jesus gives us, not just a temporary distraction. So how do we do that? 
How do we learn from Jesus? How do we follow the ways of Jesus so that we can experience a different kind of life and a different kind of rest? Well, we designed this sermon series that um, we would take each topic and explore it over a couple of weeks. So uh, the first thing I'll say is we're going to pick this up next Sunday and do a deeper dive um, and explore practically what does that look like. But um, in, the la- in, in these final minutes, let me just suggest a few places where we can start. Or maybe for some of us, it's like, oh yeah, I remember how to do that, but it's been a while and it's a place to return to um, where we can yoke ourselves with Jesus and learn from him. The first is um, what I like to call, um, we need to learn how to get our love tank filled. When our kids were little, um, and uh, we learned this from another family, and, and we liked it, and we're like, all right, we're going to steal that um, you know, with our kids. We would do this thing with them when they were little, as we, we would say, do you want your love tank filled? And um, um, most of the time, they would say, yeah, right? And then what that meant is we would grab them and pick them up and embrace them and just squeeze them tight, and then we would kind of go up and down like this and make the, like, filling the gas tank sound, like glug, 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 right? And then we get to the top, ding, you know? And I think my wife innovated. She's like, you want me to top you off? You know, and they'd be like, yeah, you know, and give them a little more, right? And we'd fill their love tank. And we, we uh, that was just a regular thing that was in our family we would love to do. And there would be days where one of the kids would be acting out and just sort of in a grumpy mood. And um, we would recognize, oh, I think they just need their love tank filled. And so we go, do you, just, do you just need your love tank filled? Yeah, yeah, you know, and embrace them and just fill them up. I've learned in my years of following with Jesus that I have, for most of my life, grossly underestimated my need for my love tank to be filled by my Heavenly Father. So much of our distraction and our busyness and our hurry is coming from a place of just emptiness. And before we can talk about what are the things we need to change and let go of, we need to actually learn how to let God fill us with the real stuff, with his love. How do we, so how do we do that? How do we create space for God to fill our love tank? The first thing I just want to say is you just need to know and be confident that God wants to do that for you. God wants to do that for you. When we make space for him, God, I just need my love tank to, oh, he is so ready, so quick to enter into that space. But we're all made differently. So, um, you know, we have kids, uh, our kids are different. You know, some of them are like physical affection, some don't, <laughs> right? We're all wired different. So we have to recognize the ways that God pours into us that we can receive. So one good, great question to pay attention to is what are the moments in your life where you felt really close to God? And to pay attention, what was it about that? And if you can identify that, then do more of that. Be intentional about that. For me, um, a, f- a few things came to mind. This past year, I had the opportunity to um, train for an intensive hike through the Grand Canyon with a group of people to celebrate a friend's 50th birthday. And so it meant I had to do a lot of hiking over the last nine months, and long hikes, because it was going to be a long, you know, 20-mile hike, and so I, I, I would spend um, uh, Saturdays pretty regularly over the past six months out, out in 
creation up in these mountains, different parts of Southern California. And each time I would do it, I would find myself hiking and I would just feel my soul being filled. There was just something about being out in creation and using my body and sort of being one with nature, right? That I was like, God, you are here and I'm feeling your love. I would come back for those times physically tired, but spiritually nurtured. I've now since done that hiking trip, but I am committed to continuing to do hiking because I realize that fills my love tank. Another one for me is singing worship songs, right? I, I, I have a little office at my home away from my house, and I, I can get in there and I, I, you know, use my phone for good in those moments, right? Pop in the AirPods and put on the playlist, and I just love to worship God. And so often I can go from feeling empty and dry to feeling filled and met by him. A third one that came to mind is um, those, uh, those precious kind of spiritual friendships. Those folks that when you spend time with them, you always just feel like, ah, I feel a little bit like I was in the presence of Jesus. Like I just feel strengthened. I feel encouraged. I feel filled. Right? Maybe you have other things on your list. Pay attention to what those are and be intentional about making space for that. Because as we are filled, our love tanks get filled, it helps us to slow down. It helps us to experience the rest that Jesus has for us and to be yoked to him. That's the first one. The second one we can do, and these are very simple, is um, we can learn how to hear God's voice and practice that. Because when, when we actually hear from God, right, that's... We need to learn how to do that. If we're going to be yoked with Jesus, we're going to learn from him. We have to be able to hear his voice. And a lot of us, I know this is true for many Christians, we feel uncertain or insecure of our ability to actually hear from God. Uh, years ago, there was a, a, a meeting of sorts, a training, I think, of InterVarsity staff, um, and we got to uh, uh, sit with Dallas Willard. Um, and if you know Dallas Willard, I mean, he's sort of the spiritual formation guru, just, a, just an amazing hero of the faith. And um, so we got to, because he worked at USC at the time, we got to um, sit down with him and um, learn from him. And someone asked a question. I said, hey, we're in the work of trying to disciple college students, like in this age group, like what's the most important thing that we should teach them? Great question. Dallas Willard thought about it for a minute, and then his answer was, the most important thing to teach them is how to hear God's voice. Because if they can learn how to hear God's voice, they'll be able to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. It makes sense. If Jesus is our teacher, we have to learn how to hear from him through his word and through his spirit. And if you don't feel like you can do that very well, my encouragement to you is just to practice, is just to try. We had the uh, Renew Prayer Night a few weeks ago out here on the patio. And uh, we worshiped some, and then we took some time to pray. And part of how we did that is we listened to God for words for one another. And um, someone who was there that night uh, emailed me the next day and thanked me for the time. And um, I love what he said. He said, I had a hard time hearing God speak to me, but I think I was hearing him. And I thought, that's how we all are. It feels hard how to, you know, to hear from God if we're unpracticed with it. But 
when we start to hear it a little bit, it's like, oh, I think he was speaking to me. We just got to do that more and more and more. And pretty soon we will learn how to hear Jesus' voice as we're yoked with him. And he will lead us into the life that is full. The last thing, um, and it relates to this, is um, a specific way that I think we can practice listening to Jesus. And um, it's what I call learning how to check in instead of checking out. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, we all have spaces uh, and and times in our days or our weeks where um, you kind of get to it and you're like, you're just not thinking about God at all. You don't expect God to have much to say to you. um, And uh, it's where we just kind of tend to check out, right? I get a little break in my day. Oh, time to just check out, veg out, right? Or maybe it's when you get home at the end of the day. Oh, I finally got through my day. Okay, time to just check out. Or maybe it's the weekend, you know. Oh, I finally made it the weekend. Just, I'm going to check out. This is my time, right? Maybe for some of us, it's actually work itself. It's like we've, we have a divide between our spiritual lives over here, and then we have our work lives over here. And so when we get to work, we're, just, we're sort of checked out from God. We do that. We check out from God, from those around us, even from our st- ourselves. Instead, though, we need to learn how to check in to pause, and instead of just checking out right away, to check in and ask Jesus if he has anything to say to me. Imagine yourself being at work, and you've had back-to-back-to-back meetings, and you finally have a little 20-minute break in your day. What's your go-to? We all have a go-to in that moment. But what if, instead of checking out, we paused and checked in with Jesus? Jesus, I have 20 minutes. Is there anything that you would have me do? Is there anything that you want to say to me? What could happen? How could that transform our day with just a word from Jesus? Or maybe it's when we get in our car, and maybe the car is like, yeah, that's my time to check out, right? Um, I just zone out, I put on my music, listen to my podcast, whatever it might be. But what if at the start of getting in the car, you just checked in for a minute before you checked out? Jesus have a word for me as I'm driving to work? Is there something you want to bring to mind? This is the one that I uh, most struggle with, is getting to the end of the day. Somewhere along the line, um, being in full-time ministry, I sort of developed this thought process that I'm, I'm sort of on, like, you know, of course I need to be connected with Jesus when I'm doing my work, right? You know, and then when I get to the end of whatever it is, it's like, okay, now I'm off the clock, right? I can just check out. And it's taken a long time, a lot of years for Jesus to unhook me from that that habit and say, no, Ken, I want you to check in with me. Because it's not just your work that I have things to give you. It's when you're at home with your family, and I even want to teach you how to really rest. So I'm trying to practice that more and more. Instead of just going to my checkout things, it's to check in. Jesus, I'm really tired. It's been a long day. I just want to, like, watch my favorite show right now. Is there anything that you want to say to me? Sometimes Jesus says, and watch your show. Let's watch it together, you know. That feels different. Sometimes Jesus brings things to mind. You know what? There's an opportunity for you to serve your family right now. Let's do that together. Okay, Jesus. 
as we listen to Jesus, and as we check in with him, the amazing thing is that when we do that, the life of God begins to pour into us through his grace. And I've had experiences now where going and serving, because Jesus invited me to do that, has actually brought me life and brought restoration to me. That's what's possible with Jesus. Let me just close with finishing the story of the crazy day uh, going from Huntington Gardens to the Sconso Gardens, right? So I met up with, for lunch, and I'll be honest, you know, we had to have lunch, and the whole time I'm like, we got to eat this really fast. we got to get over to the Sconso Gardens so they let us in so we can do, you know. And so I was like totally distracted the whole time and not present to the staff as we were hanging out. Finally, we got, we got over there. And what I discovered was they were like, that's fine, no problem. <laughs> yeah, come on in, you know. And then we sat down, we set up the day, okay, we're going to go off for two hours on our own um, and then come back together and, and, and talk about what we had reflected on. So they went off. And I, my heart, I was just, it was just racing and this, I could just feel the stress going through me. And so um, I'll be honest, I, I was tempted because this is what I'll do when I'm in those situations, to just pull out my phone and just veg out. That was a real temptation. Man, I just got to zone out here. But I think, honestly, because I knew I was going to be preaching on this, right, I was like, oh, maybe I should make a different choice, right? <laughs> that sort of helped me. Thank you, Lord. You know? And so um, I was like, all right, I'm just going to go sit down at the first bench that looks inviting, right? So I'm walking through the Sconso Gardens. I see this bench. I maybe made it 50 yards into the gardens. There it was. Okay, I'm going to go sit down on this bench. And I sat down, and it was by this little stream, this little pond, and it was in the shade, and the trees were all around me. And I just, I had no words for God. I just was so worn out, and I just sat. And the longer I sat, the more I just began to sense God's presence with me. It was like Jesus, like when you know someone really, really well, and you can just kind of sit and just be, and no one has to talk, that's what it felt like. And I could just feel my RPMs, right, just starting to go down. So much so that after about 20, 25 minutes, I took my backpack and made it a pillow and laid down on the bench and took a nap. And I slept for like 20 minutes, and it was glorious. I felt like Jesus was saying, yeah, Ken, just, just take a nap, right? And the temperature was perfect, and, it, and just the scenery was beautiful, and I just fell right asleep and slept for like 20 minutes. And then I woke up, and I felt refreshed. And then I felt like Jesus invited me. There was a book that I brought with me, and he's like, why don't you read? I've got some good things to teach you through that. And I sat on this bench, and I read um, for the next hour, and God just met me and ministered to me through the things that I was reading. And by the time I met back up with those two staff, it was a miracle how different I felt. I went from feeling strained and stressed and exhausted to feeling at peace and at rest and full of love and patience and ready to sit with these staff and, um, and hold with them all the things that they were needing to process. That's what Jesus did for me. That's the invitation he has for all of us we can yoke ourselves with him and learn from him. That's the way of Jesus. I want to live that way more and more, and I hope you do too. Let me pray for us.
Jesus, I uh, just feel so grateful that you are a humble and gentle teacher. Lord, you know how difficult um, we are to teach. You know how much we resist um, choosing the way of life. God, how much we struggle and often choose the things that aren't good for us. Thank you for your patience and your grace and your mercy, Jesus. Thank you that you are persistent in calling us and inviting us to living a different way. And Jesus, I pray for all of us here. God, would you help us to um, hang in there with you and continue to learn from you? And would you grow us in our ability to hear your voice? Would you give us reminders this week to check in with you instead of checking out and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.